Good morning. Good morning. I don't want to be here by myself this morning. I, I'm hoping that I've got someone there. And uh, Indeed, it is a joy to be with you again. Uh, my name is Ali Hassan. For those of you that don't know, I am the associate here, pastor here at Great Exchange Covenant Church. I get to speak by your permission, by God's grace, at least maybe once a month or so. And uh, I consider it a privilege and an honor to be able to be in the capacity to be able to speak to you. We are on a journey together. And a journey that as Christians and as those looking to become Christians perhaps, all of us, whether Christian or non-Christian, we are on a journey. And that journey means that at some point we, we have to realize that each of us will have a story. And that story will begin to speak to where we are in terms of our life experiences. A journey with God, in Christ, in Christ, in that, that journey is a special journey. A journey outside of Christ is a journey, nevertheless, it is a journey. And life's experiences will dictate some story. All of us will have a story. And I believe that as a community of faith, a community that's hopeful, we have a shared journey. And I believe that's the key piece to what the Christian walk is about, a shared journey. And so this morning I want to open up with uh, the title, we've entitled this section, that the hopeful community, our shared story. And I want to read briefly uh, just a couple of texts that we have this morning. And what I want to do is I want to look at what, what, what that shared story, what, what is that about in terms of a hopeful community? Because I think that if, if, if we can get our heads and our hearts around how we connect with God's story, I think it'll go a long way with us in understanding what is expected of us in terms of connecting and intersecting with others on their journey. Heavenly Father, bless us now as we enter into your word. We tread carefully because we know that your word is holy. We pray now that you would speak, that you would use us according to your purpose. That the words of this preacher's mouth and the meditations of this preacher's heart be acceptable before you, O God. Thank you for the privilege and the honor to stand in this place in the precious and matchless name of Jesus Christ. Amen. The book of Colossians, chapter 1. And I'm going to look at verses 3 through 6. I should put glasses on, and I'll tell you a story about these glasses later on. We always thank God, the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, when we pray for you, this is Paul speaking, since we heard of your faith in Christ Jesus, of the love that you have for all the saints, because of the hope laid up for you in heaven, 
Of this you have heard before in the word of truth, the gospel, which has come to you as indeed in the whole world, it is bearing fruit and increasing. As it also does among you since the day you heard it and understood the grace of God in truth. 1 Peter 3.15 But in your hearts, honor Christ the Lord as holy, always being prepared to make a defense to anyone who asks you for a reason for the hope that is in you. Yet do it with gentleness and respect. Interesting enough, how many people are Walking Dead fans? Own it. Come on, own it. I won't tell anybody. It looked like to me that uh, I, I, I keep telling my daughter that I'm not going to look at it anymore. After this last episode, I was done. I said, I'm not going to deal with it. Yeah, I'm done. And then each time I say that, I always go back to it. And, I, and, I, and, I, and, I, and I, there's something that pulls me back to it. Uh, we had a slide with, uh, that you could take a look at. But uh, in The Walking Dead, as you know, there's the team. And if there's something, after I've watched all these episodes, there's something that hit me the other day as I was beginning, as I was looking through preparing for this message. If ever there's a picture of hopelessness, this is a picture. <laughs> if you watch the last episode, and I don't want to give it away, but if you d- watch the last episode just before they, they, it's a cliffhanger, they've got you, it's hopeless. It's hopeless. Rick and the team are, are, are surrounded by all these other folks. I don't want to, if you haven't seen it, you got to see it just so you can diss it and say, I'm not going to watch it anymore. I was so frustrated after I saw that. I said, this is, this is a downer for me. How many Game of Thrones people here? Come on, own it, own it, own it. Okay, you know that, that the penultimate, the, the, the episode, Ned, What? How do you get rid of Ned? It's a downer. Hopelessness. And I think what the, what the writers do is they keep us on that place of, 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 of that one theme that seems to be interwoven throughout all of these kinds of series. And that is what? No one is safe. No one is safe. No one. And that seems to be a draw for us because we like being on the edge of, well, maybe they're going to make it. Maybe, maybe Rick, maybe, maybe the team will get out of it this time and something happens. Just when they're kicking back and everything is Michonne and Rick and all of that, everything is going away. And then all of a sudden something happens. Somebody decides to go out and, oh, I need to go out and get some food and come back in and something weird happens. And then the team is all, then the, it's like, what the heck? When am I getting that? The hope that's held out for us in the gospel message is a genuine hope. It is not a, constru- not, not, not a, a hope that's just put together for the sake of to, to have us hanging on something that's not worth anything. It's a hope that's real. The gospel message proclaimed is that Jesus Christ is risen from the dead and there is hope. In essence, that's our message. Our message simply is that Jesus Christ has been raised from the dead and there is hope. 
By the way, that's uh, N.T. Wright, the New Testament scholar who came up with that. I thought it was choice because he summed up the whole message of the gospel. He said, Jesus Christ is risen from the dead. There's hope. Our salvation is connected to this hope. Our story is rooted in this hope. And our message is guided by this hope. All of us have this hope tied into this this overarching message. And the message that God has given us, the biblical message, the overarching story, God's story is the story of Jesus Christ. There are stories out there that are competing for our attention and our allegiance and our commitment. There are all kinds of stories out there. But the only story that what we call the meta narrative, that is the overarching story, the grand story, is the story of Jesus Christ. How can I say that? Because that's the story that we will ultimately connect our own stories in as we do our journey in Christ. We see ourselves in the grand story, in God's story. If you do not, if you're not a Christian and you do not connect to the grand story, God's story, you've got to connect with somebody's story. Somebody's story, some story is going to inform you and, and, and shape you and mold you or transform you or whatever, but you're connecting with some story. And I suspect that the reason that there are a lot of folk that are confused in our world and that are on this place of hopelessness is that they have no story. That's the real story that they can connect with. Our salvation is connected to this hope. 1 Peter 1.3 says that God has caused us to be born again to a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. Our story is rooted in this hope. Paul writes in Galatians 2.20, I have been crucified with Christ. I, it is I who no longer live, but Christ who lives in me. And the life I now live in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God. Our message is guided by hope. Always be prepared to make a defense to anyone who asks you for a reason for the hope that is in you. And so everything, this, this message that, that, that Christ is risen from the dead, that has become our story. Later on, we will, uh, as we close today's message, and it was interesting that Ray picked up on this. I, 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 I know God is, is always doing something, and I know he prayerfully, he prays about what songs, he's serious about that, and I so appreciate that, because I would have picked the Blessed Assurance song, but he and I didn't even talk about it. And yet he picks that song. Why is it that that song is picked and that happens to be the song of my own story, which I'll share a little bit later. Francis Fanny Jane Crosby is the writer of that song, and we'll talk about, we'll rehab that song later. But just to give you a little background quickly, she wrote something like 9,000 hymns Starting at the age of eight, when she was an infant, listen to this, when she was an infant, talk about having no hope. She lost her sight. She had sight for a short time, and then she got sick, and a quack doctor put something on her eyes, supposedly to heal her, and it actually damaged her eyes, and she ended up losing her sight as an infant and never was able to see again. By age 23, she was addressing Congress and making friendships with presidents. She preferred to write simple, sentimental verses that could be used for evangelism. 
One of the famous verses that she put together is the one that we'll sing later, Blessed Assurance, which speaks to hope. Anthony Schiali and Henry B. Biller put together a book entitled Hope in the Age of Anxiety. And one of the questions they ask is, how do you build and sustain hope in trying times? How can you hope? How can hope help you to achieve your life goals? How can hope improve your relationship with others? How can hope aid in your recovery from trauma or illness? How does hope relate to spirituality? And then they offer this as a piece of their book. They say, quote, a mind-body-spirit treatment cocktail involving a restructuring of thoughts, accessing the right kind of hope-sustaining relationship and specific spiritual practices is the solution. And I would argue, I haven't read the book. I don't know where they're going with that. But I would argue that the only source of genuine, true, authentic hope is found in the cross of Christ. In the fact that Jesus Christ died and he rose again, just like he said he would. And that for you and I on the journey, as we began to craft our story, we began to see ourselves in that whole resurrection, dying to self, resurrecting. We, we see it woven throughout the whole Christian experience. When you get baptized, it's a, it's a way of being buried with Christ, coming up out of the water, rising with Christ. And then the expectation that in the future, at some point in the future, God will take your life and join it back and you will be with Christ, with him. Now you say, well, what does that have to do with right now when I'm going through challenges in life? Well, the, problem, the, the, cha- the, the challenges, challenges in life don't consume you like a person would be consumed that has no hope. The essential truths learned from the biblical story of hope teach us about God, our creator. Those essential truths teach us about mankind. They teach us about what it means to disobey God and the nature of sin. It teaches us about the penalty of sin, death. It teaches us about Jesus Christ. It teaches us about the cross of Christ and Christ's death. It teaches us about faith and what it means to trust Jesus Christ ultimately. And it teaches us about eternal life. In other words, we come away saying that we have hope because we know this is not the end of the story. See, all the other stories out there might start with once upon a time. And I remember when I was growing up, that was the typical entry as you read, read stories. Once upon a time. But God's story is not a once upon a time kind of story. God's story is an in the beginning God. That's his story. There is no once upon a time. In the beginning God. And you start there. How does a hopeful community proclaim the story of Jesus in a broken world? Because ultimately, you and I in this broken world are not satisfied or should not be satisfied with simply just, well, I got mine and they'll have to get theirs. No, 
God has called us to engage this world. And we engage this world. God hasn't called us all to be evangelists and go out there and, and hey, you, have you heard about Jesus Christ? He hasn't called us all to do that. But he's called us to live in obedience in such a way that our lifestyles proclaim his message. Now herein is the rub. Because sometimes our lifestyles don't reflect the message that we talk. It doesn't mean that we're bad people. It's just, it just means that in the journey experience, as we're going through our journey, it's sometimes challenging because obedience and, and, and disobedience and the tension of that obedience, disobedience, and the faith and no faith, and it, it's a struggle for us. And when you're in environments such as the Bay Area where the Silicon Valley, where you have so many smart people and high-tech people and well-educated people, so many people with so many schedules and so many emails to answer and so many text messages to respond to and Snapchats and blah, 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 it's very easy to kind of lose sight of things and to forget that we're in a broken world. But God has given us a solution And if you're not one of those that are already in Christ, I would call on you to simply take another look to get off that fast track of trying to survive and get onto the fast track of thriving in Christ, trusting him, depending on him, getting into the story and connecting your story, your experience in his story and saying, God, it's, it's all about you. It's not about how much money I make or how many, how many deals I can seal or how much real estate I can buy or, or what cars I own. Or what. It's not about the stuff of life. I have a friend of mine who is a very strong Christian, very faithful, she's a prayer warrior. Very strong Christian. But she comes to me sometimes, she goes, Pastor Ali, could you play, pr- pray for my husband? I say, oh. And I know where she's going with it because we've had these conversations so many times before. And she says, he works, he works, he works, he works, he works, and he just can't stop working. He just can't stop working. Even when, it's, it, when, when he, he, he shouldn't be working, he's working. It's almost, and we have, we have plenty of financial resources. We're, we're, we're good. We're, we're good way over. But he just keeps working. He keeps working. He keeps working. He keeps working. And she struggles with that because she, she, she doesn't understand how, how, how he's gotten the priorities so turned around. And so we pray. And we pray that God would begin to disconnect him from the world's story and connect him into the overarching story, God's story. That said, even beyond, that story states that even beyond this life, there's something else. There's an eternal life. How does a hopeful community proclaim the story of Jesus in a broken world? It proclaims Jesus through its collective experience of Jesus. In other words, you and I, as we share our stories, as we share our stories together, 
we come up with a story that connects to God's story. Great Exchange Covenant Church has a story going back 10, 11, 12, 13, 14 years, going back to its inception, and the story began. And that narrative helped shape and form us as we began to see us ourselves on a, on a journey with God from one location, from the hotels to the hotels to all kinds of... And, and, and God has landed us here at this time in history. Through some of the high points and some of the low points and everything in between. But God has been faithful and that's now part of our story. It's very easy to forget. Secondly, it proclaims Jesus through its worship of Jesus alone. Our story as a hopeful community in this broken world is about Jesus, but it's about Jesus being proclaimed alone, not Jesus plus something else. There are a lot of people out there that claim to have faith, and you'll hear all kinds of stories where people sound like Christian folks. They kind of almost speak the language. It sounds very similar, but it's Jesus plus something else. I was in a Bible study once, and a guy, and this was at work, and a guy that was faithfully coming to the Bible study one day started introducing something about Jesus plus Mir Baba. He had traveled to India, and he was very, there was some Indian God that, that he, and he had slipped that into the Bible study. And I could look on the faces of the other seven people sitting there and tell that they were kind of confused, and they were looking at me like, are you going to say something? And so I looked at him directly because I saw this as how the enemy was trying to subvert what we were doing. And so I looked at him and spoke very, very friendly to him. And I said, how about holding up on the mere Baba? Let's talk about Jesus only. Jesus Christ and him crucified. I don't know anything about mere Baba, but you and I can talk about it later on, but not in this meeting. The hopeful community proclaims the story of Jesus in a broken world when it proclaims Jesus through its commitment to truth, the word of God. Every church community, every, every hopeful community has its hope set on the word of God. That what God has proclaimed, what God has said, God will fulfill. That every work that he's begun, he'll see it through to completion. He's not going to leave us hanging. Let God be true and every man be a liar. God is faithful to his word. And that's what we stand on. The day that we get up here, if any preacher gets up and does not have the word of God and has some other something that he's using, there's no evidence of the word of God, that preacher needs to step aside. Because if you preach any other gospel, Paul says, other than that that was given, that preacher, that person should be anathema, cursed. There is no other gospel message. It's about Jesus Christ alone. We, a hopeful community, proclaims this story of Jesus in a broken world when it proclaims Jesus as it responds to the inspiration of the Holy Spirit. The church hopeful community that understands that the, under, the working of the Holy Spirit is very real. It's not something to make you bounce off the walls or do flip cartwheels or something like that. But the Holy Spirit is a real person, part of the 
Trinity, what we call the triune Godhead, the Father, the Son, the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is our instructor, our teacher, the one who comes alongside us and guides us. And as God has blessed us with gifts in the church, various ones that make up the body of Christ, then the Holy Spirit uses those gifts to glorify the name of Jesus Christ. And then finally, the hopeful community proclaims the story of Jesus in a broken world when it proclaims that Jesus, this Jesus, serves those who are experiencing dire circumstances in life. I'm encouraged when I hear of the ministry of Winfrey and others where you've gone out, gone to places, ministries, and, and, but here's a local ministry over in City Team where people that are going through their particular journey and it's not the best circumstances. And yet those people, we are a community coming alongside that community and speaking by serving. So we are telling our story as we're serving. They are forming something in their own heads and hearts about GRX community's story as a community, a hopeful community, because they see us there. We could be doing everything else, but they see us there serving. And what does that remind them of? It reminds them of this, this Jesus that they've heard about in the Bible. The Mother Teresa in Calcutta was an example of what it means to proclaim the story quietly and yet powerfully in her task to serve the poor and downtrodden. Today's main point I want to leave you with is simply the Bible story is the story about Jesus in a broken world and it communicates hope because he is risen from the dead. We all need, have need, we all, we, we have all needed Christ and we know that he is sufficient. And so he, he, here's the piece that you take away, I want you to take away because this is, this is, this is huge. When you look at those verses from 3 to 6 in the first chapter of Colossians, here's one of the things that you pick up. Verse 4, since we heard of your faith. Verse 5, you have heard before the word of truth. Verse 6, the day you heard it and understood it. Verse 7, you just learned it from Apophis, our minister of Christ. Verse 9, the day we heard. And then verse, verse 22, not shifting from the hope of the gospel, the gospel that you heard. What am I getting at there? That the message of a hopeful community is a message that's passed on over and over and over again. And is this the message that we first heard when we first heard the gospel of truth? And it's that message now that we are tasked to pass on. And we pass it on through our lives by sharing our own stories, our own journeys that connect to God's story. The Bible story is a story about Jesus Christ in a broken world, and it communicates hope 
because he's risen from the dead. Christ is sufficient. If you want to know the theme of the book of Colossians, it's the all 